Enterprise Management 360. Hello, my name is Bob Tarzi, a freelance IT industry analyst, and I will be moderating this EM360 podcast. It is widely accepted that all software contains bugs. These are errors that cause applications to behave in unexpected ways. Mostly bugs just lead to user frustration when applications do not behave as expected. However, certain bugs can be exploited by attackers, enabling them to penetrate networks and manipulate systems. Such bugs are known as vulnerabilities. When a vulnerability is discovered, the means a hacker develops to take advantage of it is known as an exploit. Vulnerabilities can be categorized and organizations such as OWASP, the Open Web Application Security Project, and the SANS Institute classify and list the most commonly found type of application programming errors that lead to vulnerabilities. OWASP's top 10 critical web application security risks include categories of vulnerabilities that are well known to the IT security community, such as SQL injection and cross-site scripting. The problem with security vulnerabilities is exacerbated by the speed with which software is being updated and released with the rise in the use of agile development techniques, whereby new code is released almost as fast as new ideas are conceived. Web applications are some of the most vulnerable as these are exposed to the online world and easily targeted. Addressing application security requires a combination of better informed developers more rigorous software development procedures, and supporting technology, people, process, and technology. Any organization that relies on software development should be aware of the risks and asking itself, what am I not doing? This is the first of two EM360 podcasts to look at the issue of application security. In this podcast, the first, we want to look at methods for addressing application security and building better code. In the second, we will look at the supporting technologies for testing software. I am pleased to be joined by two experts to help guide us through the subject, both from Rapid7. Ben Glass, a manager of product consulting, and Jay Paz, director of penetration testing. So let's get straight into asking Ben and Jay about some of the issues related to building better and safer applications. Ben, Jay, why should organizations be especially worried about web applications? Hi, this is Ben. I really feel that the web applications are more common than people actually perceive them to be, whether they're using their mobile apps, going to their favorite blog site, using internet-connected devices. I think the overall scope of web applications is just immense, and it's often overlooked. So I think that alone is a huge factor into why organizations should definitely be concerned. And is it true to say that almost any application is a web application these days? I mean, for instance, in the old days, a bank's applications were hidden behind its um, physical walls in a, in a building somewhere, but now they're part of online banking applications, so they're exposed to the online world, even though they were applications written before the, the age of the internet, if you like. Is, is, is that what you mean? Yeah. So for example, whether it's just a generic website, it could be legacy that might have been used 10 years ago, but is still in use today. It could be something used internal to an organization that's only accessible to the employees. And all of our internet connected devices today will use in some way, shape or form, 
maybe an API from a web application or a user interface. You have teams internally using web interfaces to interact with logging activities for products that they support. So I just think it's so expansive, it's hard to kind of pick and choose like what is and isn't a web app, but just understanding that pretty much everything uses web apps. This is Jay. I completely agree with that. I think the web application landscape is more vast than people realize. It's no longer just your browser. The interconnectivity between APIs, infrastructure, and really a lot of SaaS applications that are being used by uh, multi-tenants, all of this really does mean that we have to be a lot more aware of how we are developing these applications and how we're testing them to make sure that they're secure. And you used a couple of terms there, API, that's an application programming interface. SaaS, that's software as a service. And there's so many of these software as a service type applications now. And again, they're all online by definition, aren't they? But you're basically both in agreement there that nearly every application is vulnerable because nearly every application is an online application. So another problem is the speed with which we're updating all this software. So it's not just the fact that it's online but it's the use of these agile techniques that allow the continuous release of new features and therefore code directly into production. Of course, there are many benefits to doing this, but why has that made the problem of application security even harder to deal with? So I think with the introduction of the agile methodology, I think it definitely adds a number of benefits to developers' workflow in terms of getting code pushed out as soon as possible and more quickly and efficiently. Although, of course, it adds another area that we need to focus on, which could be more prone to bugs or different types of feature issues that need to be expanded on and fixed later on. So I think it's even more critical, especially as build processes happen more frequently due to the agile process. How do we get integrated into that build process so that we can make this the overall software development lifecycle very efficient and then easy for these developers and application teams to use and also be more secure. It's a big benefit for programmers, agile development, but it's not one that you know we can't overcome. We, we, we can work at that sort of speed as well to improve security. And we'll come on to that in the second podcast when we look at some of the supporting technology. But before we do that later on, one of the main approaches to improving the quality and therefore security of code that is released into production, because we will talk about technology in the second podcast, but there are other things that we can do before that to do with people in processes, aren't there? Absolutely. I think that there's a, a big risk of moving to such a quick agile environment and using CI/CD to deploy applications into production. Sorry, what was the term you used there? CI/CD, uh, continuous integration, continuous deployment. Okay, that's a mechanism to have your applications deployed by infrastructure directly into a production environment. Initially, when that was something that development teams were using to shorten the deployment timelines, to use less people as resources, we forgot that there was a component that was testing, that was really looking at the code, understanding the code, and people really checking that code. And for a while, I felt there was such a push to deploy quickly that there was no real solution to inserting testing into that quick deployment or that CI/CD pipeline. And now there are plenty other options. And like you said, we'll talk about them. But I think the important part here is, is that even though we are trying to shorten a timeline for development and deployment, we can't shortcut 
the process and the steps that are necessary to ensure that what we're putting out there is quality and security is part of that quality. Let's focus in on the first of those three things. We talked about people, process and technology, and you, you touched on some of the technology we're going to talk about in the second podcast. But let's look at people. What is it that we can do to make sure developers and the development processes that they use are less of a problem? How can we improve the people and the processes that they use before we even start to worry about supporting technology? I think from that standpoint, it'll definitely require a lot of buy-in from different stakeholders, whether it be the security department, application owners, the CISO, the CIO, different organizational heads will have to definitely buy into the overall development lifecycle and the process at which developers create code, push code to production. On top of that, it it will definitely include a collaboration between the security team and developers to understand what types of risks there are. And, you know, the security team may not understand all of the code that the developers have created and pushed to production. And the developers may not understand all of the security ramifications or the risk exposure that they have potentially within their application because it could be custom. So I think at least driving that collaboration and relationship and getting buy-in from different stakeholders is really going to be crucial to start that process and make sure there's a good workflow there. Is it as simple as making sure that developers are taught how to avoid building in things like cross-site scripting and SQL injection into their applications and, and, and teaching them how to spot the common ways that those errors can be introduced so they improve their coding techniques? Is, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, but I think beyond that, you also have to try and make it so that the developers feel that there's a benefit to them making their code more secure. So whether that's if I make code more secure because later on I don't want to have to fix it because maybe the security team is starting to interact with me and telling me that I need to fix some code. So being able to fix it and having developers become more security conscious would definitely improve the overall process. But I think helping them understand why it's important for them to care is just as important. Because if they don't care, it'll be challenging for them to move forward. And then the relationship won't really be there. I also think that, you know, focusing not just on the code that is the application, but really looking at the application as the sum of all parts and the entire stack and those developers uh, understanding what that stack is and not relying on system staff or system administrators or their network engineers so that they have a full knowledge of what it is that their code is sitting on and how that can affect infrastructure or the network or people. So that sounds like you're saying that the the software developer mustn't just be churning out code. They must be churning out better quality code, but they've also got to understand the context context in which they're developing that code. So if it's against a certain type of SQL database, the risk might be different as opposed to a, a different type of database. Absolutely. I think it is crucial that the developer understand what it is that the platform, right? Like, what are we coding? But not just that, where are we putting it? And that's where DevOps and SecOps really came to be because we needed developers and we needed system administrators to understand each other and to be able to collaborate. And I think that's key. It is education. It is knowing what the vulnerabilities are. It is knowing how to fix them. But at the end of it all is making sure that we're putting together teams that are able to collaborate. They can share ideas. They can jump in and help each other 
that's an environment that will churn out secure and quality code much better than if there are silos. In a way, you've already gone into the, the next point I was going to ask about because we talked about making the developers more aware of the code they're producing, the environment that's being produced in, and that's got to feed into improvements to the overall software development lifecycle is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I think looking at every aspect of that lifecycle, every step that goes from opening a text editor to write code all the way to an end user exercising that code for their business needs. It's important that everybody is aware of what all of those steps are and that we're working together to ensure that everybody along that pipeline can be successful. Okay. You touched on this just now. You used a couple of terms. Uh, I think uh, you said NetOps, DevOps, and so on. These are abbreviations, things like developer operations, SecOps is security operations, NetOps is network operations, and so on. These are all subgroups within the overall IT team that need to be bought in for that software development lifecycle and, and making sure all software deployed is as secure as possible. Where should the focus be when it comes to application security for each of those teams? In my opinion, the focus is on understanding each other's role and making sure that anybody on that team can step in and help out in that role. Whenever there are silos, we run a huge risk. If one person isn't available or can't help, uh, then all of a sudden your pipeline is broken. Uh, And so it's important that people collaborate. To me, any of those DevOps, SecOps, et cetera, really are not so much a a technical uh, team uh, or or a technical notion, uh, but more of a a movement, a movement for education, a movement for collaboration, uh, and a movement for understanding really the entirety of a platform or, or a stack. Rather than just being a coder, I am now a software developer that understands where I'm putting my code so that I can write it better from the beginning. As an example of a somebody development in, in the DevOps environment is developing a new application, then it's up to them to understand where the NetOps, the network operating team, will be deploying that, whether it's going to be on a public-facing network or whether it's going to be on a you know a, a segmented, secure network within the organization or whatever. That's an example of collaboration between DevOps and NetOps. That's the sort of thing you mean. That's exactly right. And within that, there are other relationships that are important, right? Maybe you have an identity team that is in charge of all of the user entities, and you need to understand how your application is going to do authorization and authentication. And you need to bring in that team to understand what are the possibilities and also what can't we do, what is not possible. So that when you are building that application, you have in mind, this is our authorization and authentication mechanism, and we can code it to make sure that it's secure from that you know, point. It's that collaboration. It's understanding that there are individuals that have the knowledge that runs deeper than just one person. And so we need to understand it as a team. Okay. Well, just like to address one last issue in this first podcast. We've really been talking about improving people in processes And we haven't been talking about a lot of expensive technology to support this. We will come on to technology in in the second podcast. But how expensive is it for an organization to take these steps to improve the capabilities of developers and the software development process? Is that something that uh, they can do within the, the limited budgets that many organizations have to address these things? I think in terms of expense, there's a lot that developers and companies and IT teams can do that's 
relatively free or using open source tools to get started. And these are things that everyone, of course, would also have to come together and collaborate with just to kind of agree on some steps and a workflow and a life cycle that they want to follow. But a lot of the tools that they can use are open source and freely available today. And it's more or less just how do we integrate everything together so that the developers and application teams have an easier time developing secure and clean code that they can push to production? How can we follow these processes and use different roles like a DevOps role, SecOps, NetOps, and all of these different collaborative and cross-functional roles and teams to definitely improve those processes too? Okay. Anything else to add? Absolutely. I think that identifying those security heroes, if you will, those that are already security-minded within your team and utilizing them to help the others understand or to grow their knowledge on good quality secure code is also key. If you already have resources within that want to do the right thing, enable them to do that right thing and to help others in that regard. Okay, great. Well, look, thank you to Jay Paz and Ben Glass of Rapid7 providing insight into application security and approaches to addressing the problem. This is the first of two podcasts from EM360 on the subject of application security. So please do go on and listen to the second one, which will be about the technology to support these steps to improve the way that organizations can build better, safer software. Thank you for listening to this EM360 podcast. For more podcasts like this, head to em360tech.com.